Scouting out of the blue corner. He gives you your football meat and potatoes style and is the undisputed king of detailed player analysis. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Steve the Scout. Hey guys, this is Steve the Scout. I am the host of the Pro Football Scouting Show. The NFL Draft is completed, and today, um, based on my own independent evaluations of these draft prospects, I'm going to tell you what I think of every single draft pick. Uh, we're going to be releasing rounds one and round two. Uh, my feedback on those will be in two separate shows, and we'll be releasing them both on Monday. So if it's Monday, today is the day that it's out. Um, and again, you know, I always say this through draft season – you go, you can, you can, there's tons of guys out there that give their own, their own analysis on draft players. The one thing that I cannot stand, cannot stand this is when people, people don't actually watch the film and they say, oh, that was, that was a good draft pick. Oh, that was a bad draft pick. Have you watched any games of this player? Uh, no, but um, I've read about him. Look, I'm sorry. You you have to actually watch these players before you give your your opinion on them. Just my just my philosophy. I get it. You know, you know. Good example is you know Daniel Jones of the New York Giants. I was a little bit disappointed with the pick, but how many Giants fans actually watched a good amount and know how to dissect Daniel Jones's tape? Probably most of you just saw that he was ranked lower than Dwayne Haskins, and you're like, well, no, that's that's a bad pick because Mel Kuyper said so. You have to, before you can have that kind of emotional reaction, you have to know what you're looking. So, again, I'll say that. Uh, this show is brought to you by pigskinnut.com. It is the football news that you've been missing. We give you coverage on all 32 NFL teams, and we're actually looking to make team-focused podcasts uh, the NFC East, we have three podcasts in the NFC East, Giants, Eagles, and Cowboys now, the Giants one debuting tomorrow. Um, and again, um, Pigskin Nut really is, it's a place where you can go to and you can get a complete, com complete coverage of anything and everything football. What do I mean by that? We give you every NFL team, every college football conference, draft coverage, player profiles, scouting reports at 24-7 football analysis, radio station, fantasy football. And uh, uh, I'm just excited for where we're going with this. Um, but, you know, let's dive into um, the draft. So um, with that being said, um, taking a look, taking a look, you know, at, at, at the first, at the very first pick of the draft, uh, the Arizona Cardinals selected Kyler Murray first overall. Do I think that was the right pick? What do I think of it? Yes, that's the pick I would have made. Here's why. Because um, you have to, you have to look, you have to look at, at the system. Uh, I can, you know, we've gone into Cliff Kingsbury system on a, on a different day, and I'll go probably go over it again. Um, we're going to go through, try to go through all these picks quickly. So I'm not going to give you a full breakdown on that. But essentially, you know, um, this is, you know, this system is better fit for for Kyler Murray. I think Josh Rosen 
could be successful in this system. But ultimately, um, you know, you brought in Cliff Kingsbury. Um, I th- I think as a prospect, Kyler Murray just he he's just a he's just a better quarterback prospect to me than Josh Rosen. He has equally, if not a better arm. Yes, he does. And look, Josh Rosen, uh, when protection breaks down, that's really where he struggled because Josh Rosen has shown to have, to me, a very slow internal clock. Um, I saw it in UCLA. I saw it in his first year. Uh, I think Kyler Murray, he's going he's gonna, he's gonna, to he's gonna get the ball out quicker. He can extend plays, and he is a better fit for that offense. And honestly, I think when you want to look at at the arm, um, you know, Kyler Murray has got just as good of an arm as Josh Rosen. I like the pick. It makes sense. It's unfortunate that it all went down this way, but um, I would have drafted I would have drafted Kyler Murray if I was the GM and Cliff Kingsbury was my coach. Pick number two went to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, they selected Nick Bosa. Uh, I think that was the right thing to do. Here's why. Because when you look at San Francisco, they've really, in past few years, they've drafted along the interior part of the defensive line. Uh, now, you know, what do they need? They need guys on, they need guys on the edge that can get to the quarterback. Uh, you got D Ford and free agency to me. Uh, Nick Bosa is, is going to be a better pro than D Ford is. I think even his rookie year, Nick Bosa will probably be the best defensive, the best defensive player on that team. Um, and that's a team that has DeForest Buckner there. Uh, I think Buckner is going to really come on strong, but when I look at Nick Bosa, um, you know, he, you know, you want to you want to talk about okay, his brother's Joey. Is that why he got evaluated this well? No, it's because he's that he's that he's that good on the tape. When you want to talk about a hand technician, he's about as good as any guy in this draft. They needed pressure on the edge. They, you know, they got pressure up the middle. Now they do that with with Nick Bosa. Um, really, um, when I when I look at at the third guy that was drafted, because number three, the Jets drafted Quinn and Williams, and to me. Quinn and Williams, uh, Quinn and Williams, and Ed, Ed Oliver are my two top prospects in the draft. I have Nick Bosa as three, but uh, I think you know when you look at the 49ers, yeah, they could have gotten Quinn and Williams. I have them ranked slightly above Nick Bosa, but at the end of the day, like I said, they need someone that can that can rush the quarterback. Quinn and Williams can do that, but they need someone that can do that from the edge. They already got Buckner up the middle for the Jets. At, at three, I like the pick of Quinn and Williams there. It makes sense to me. He's He was the best player in the draft. I kind of flip-flopped back and forth between him and Ed Oliver. Ultimately, you know, I, I did decide that I felt Williams was a little bit of a better prospect because of his play strength that he showed. Um, and fundamentally, I just liked him better. But you, you look you look at you look at what the Jets need. They still need more pressure to get to the quarterback. They need they need they need another presence up the middle. Uh, Quinn and Williams gives them that. It's gonna it's gonna make their defense better, no question. Um, and now you look at the Jets. You know the middle part of the field. You better not screw with the Jets because you have you have Quinn and Williams and you have you have Leonard Williams. Uh, Quinn and Williams and Leonard Williams. So two Williams brothers on the defensive line. They got CJ Mosley up the middle and they got Jamal Adams uh, as playing safety. You better not go over the middle against this defense. Uh, number four, uh, the Raiders picked Cleveland Farrell. Uh, I believe, you know, it sounds like that they picked him uh, based on what Mike Mayock is saying because they fit the mold of a Raider. At the end of the day, I think Cleveland Farrell is a good football player. Um, in a lot of ways, he's 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 NFL ready. Technically, you know, when you just look at being being a pass rusher, he's he's got some stuff that you got to like about him. He's got length, but he uses his length really well. Um, technically, he's he's very he's very good he's very good with his hands. 
Uh, although he's not, he's not the athlete that a Josh Allen is. Um, he still gets out of his stance pretty quickly. And, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, yeah, I would not have made this pick because to me, Josh Allen, um, off, off the ball and explosiveness and ability to bend and get home. Josh Allen to me is clearly the better prospect over Cleveland Farrell. Um, I get it. That's what the media scouts get media scout said, but I turned on the tape. I've watched both of these guys. I think Cleveland Farrell is going to be a good pro. I just don't think, you know, I, I think he could be a guy that's a double digit sack guy. Uh, I think he may have trouble getting home as much in the NFL as he did in college. Uh, but you look, but you look at Josh Allen to me, um, he's, he's the, he's the, he's the guy that the Raiders should have drafted there because at the end of the day, you gave up Khalil Mack and you, um, that you gave up Khalil Mack, but also, you know, you don't have to, you didn't have to pay him all that money. Um, now, you know, you bring in Josh Allen, a guy who like Khalil Mack converts speed to power, um, and can bend around the edge and get home. Uh, you do it on a rookie contract. They, the Raiders really should have drafted Josh Allen. If you ask me. I like Cleveland Farrell. I really do, but I just wouldn't have drafted him that high. <coughs> Buccaneers, you know, they got they they got they got they got Devin White. Um, the Buccaneers, you know, they've added a little bit of help to their pass rush over the last few years. Vita Vea will come back healthy this year. Jason Pierre Paul showed last year he could still play. But um <coughs> you have an you have an you have an aging, you have an aging Gerald McCoy. You, you know, you still have Levante David, but you still need some more pressure on the edge. But you know when you look when you look at what the Buccaneers you know what the Buccaneers did is that uh, they really went with who who is the best prospect available, not the best player available, but the best prospect available. Because at this point, there are guys in this draft, there are guys in this draft who are clearly better football players that have not been drafted, better football players than Devin White. Now, when you look at best prospect available. Um, Devin, Devin White is in this conversation. I think when you look at best prospects available at this point, it's Devin White and it's, and it's Ed Oliver, um, you know, Evan, um, Devin White, Ed Oliver and Josh Allen. So, so, so those, those are the three directions would have made sense for Tampa to go. So, so they got, they got one of those three guys. They went with Devin White. And when I talk about best prospect, because here's the thing with Devin White is that he was a linebacker. I mean, he was a running back coming into LSU. He was supposed to be Leonard Fournette's heir apparent there, the next, the next guy up, but he converted to linebacker. And to be honest, he's still really learning how to play the position. So, um, but when you, when you want, when you watch some of his intangibles at middle linebacker, I'm 37 years old. I've been watching the combine for, for a long time. Um, I've been watching college film for a long time. The intangibles at linebacker, at middle linebacker that he has, the upside that he has, is so outrageous. I'm talking about you get you get a middle linebacker with this kind of upside maybe once maybe once every eight to ten years. He's that special of a talent. So to me. Um, I think once he gets the proper coaching in the NFL and he continues to evolve as a football player, he can easily become the best middle linebacker in the NFL because sideline to sideline range. I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Not only that, he's such a fluid mover, such a fluid mover. Um, not only that, um, from everything I see in his interviews and listen, listening to what his coaches have, his coaches have said and read, and read what they've said, he's very, very coachable. And not only that, he is hungry. 
He's hungry. You watch his interviews. He really wants, he wants to be in the conversation of best middle linebackers ever. You hear it when he talks about it. He's confident. He's hungry. He's humble. He's coachable. And his upside is absolutely outrageous. So, um, I like, I like the Devin white pick here. Uh, don't be surprised. You know, if it takes him, you know, uh, you know, three years maybe to start reaching his potential because he's still learning. Um, but when you watch him sideline to sideline, watch him drop in coverage and his aggressiveness, man, he is clearly one of the best prospects in the draft, even though, even though he's, uh, you know, not one of the best players just yet. So difference there. Okay. Moving on to the New York giants. They drafted Daniel Jones at number six. Uh, I'm a giants fan. You know, uh, I, I was upset when they first drafted him and I've watched Daniel Jones tape. Uh, to me, you know, I thought Daniel Jones was the fourth best quarterback prospect. Uh, the Gi- you know, the Giants are saying two other teams would have drafted Jones uh, had they not taken him at number six. Um, well, I'm sorry. Let me say that again. Uh, there, there are t- the Giants had picked six and seventeen. The Giants felt that if they didn't, if they didn't get him at six, two other teams would have drafted him before they would have gotten him. They would have had a chance to draft him at 17. So if he's really your guy, then okay. Um, to me, um, the and, and this is this is not me trying to make myself feel better, but the more the more you know, I think about it. Uh, it's not the pick I would have made. It's really not. But you know, um, it's something. Uh, it's something that makes makes a little bit more sense because um, you have to understand um, NFL NFL quarterbacks. What is the number one attribute for a quarterback? Um, it's it's your mind and how you prepare. That tr- that really does trump everything else. Uh, Tom Brady does not have Tom Brady's got a good throwing arm, but he does not have one of the strongest throwing arms in the NFL. Never has, although he does have a very good throwing arm. I will give I will say that he does throw a laser, but there are there are guys that have more whip on their ball. Matthew Stafford has a better arm than Tom Brady. I'll just say it. Aaron Rodgers does. There's some other guys that do. Um, but you look at Brady's mental acumen and, you know, his ability to dissect things. Um, you know, it, it's, it's what's made him the best quarterback of all time. You know, even, even if you look at, you know, Peyton, Eli, they've had, they, they, they've had really good NFL arms. They've had, they've had better arms than Daniel Jones, but their calling card has been their mind. Same thing with Drew Brees. So look, Daniel Jones, when you want to look at, um, what he's had to do to to prepare for games versus Dwayne Haskins, he's he, he's had he's had he's had to do. Um, I'm not going to say it's more of a pro style offense, but um, but at the same time, in terms of the way he's had to prepare, it's been it's been it's been more more difficult. He's asked he's asked to do more uh, than than what than what Dwayne Haskins is pregame. When you look at setting protections. Um, Go back and watch the film. I thought Daniel Jones, he did a lot more of that than, than you saw Dwayne Haskins did on the tape in terms of actually setting protections. And um, look, um, Daniel Jones, I think he has a little bit of a of depth. To me, he has an underwhelming arm for a guy that size, but literally just about everything else looks really good. When you want to look at his feet work and his mechanics, they're really, really good. Um you know he he's 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 an he's an accurate he's an accurate passer. He misses with accuracy sometimes, but consistently, uh, I th- I think he's 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 quite an accurate passer. Um, and at the end of the day, you know he he is he is a better athlete than Dwayne Haskins. I'm just gonna say that Dwayne Haskins ran I think a 5.06 
40. Daniel Jones ran a 4.68 at, at, at his pro day. You, you even watch on tape when plays break down, who's better at extending plays? It's Daniel Jones. It really is. Um, and, you know, here's the other thing is when Dwayne Haskins on tape does not set his feet properly and, and it takes and it takes him a while before his feet are set. So he's not getting the ball that quickly, um, if you ask me. The, he's 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 inaccurate unless his feet are perfectly set. You don't see that with Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones can make more off schedule type throws. Um, he's a better athlete. He's faster. And you want to talk about game preparation? Daniel Jones has had to do more of that. Uh, you watch it. What he does pre play. Uh, look, Dwayne Haskins is a smart quarterback. There's no doubt about it. But Daniel Jones was asked to do more. I think if you put Daniel Jones in the Ohio State offense, you probably would have seen a you know much greater production than he would have had you know in the you know in, in the Duke offense. Still, uh, I thought I thought Dwayne Haskins was the better prospect. I still think he is, but it really wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me if Daniel Jones ended up being the better pro, and, and I, I wouldn't even say it would surprise me um, because I think when you look at um, when you look at the intangibles Jones has outside of the arm strength. In a lot of ways, you know, he he does do a number of things better. But to me, um, the pick I, I I would have made there with all those guys um, being off the board, I would have taken Josh Allen there. I would have taken Josh Allen, or I would have taken Ed Oliver. Predicated that the Giants would maybe use a little bit more four three scheme this year. Um, I know they're they're a bit they're they're a team that has has some multiple schemes, but primarily they're a three four. So uh, Oliver's really going to be. He's going to make his money in the NFL as a three technique. That's why Buffalo drafted him for. So if they weren't going to make him a three tech, then I would have taken I would have taken Josh Allen there. Uh, that's the pick I, I think the Giants should have made. Jaguars took Josh Allen, so obviously I think that's a I think that's a great pick. Um, that's the pick I would have made if if, if I was Jacksonville, uh, Detroit. Uh, Detroit took T.J. Hawkinson, tight end from the Lions. Uh, my two picks there. I would have either went Hawkinson or I would have went Oliver. Um, and use Oliver there as the three technique. Uh, I think at the end of the day, uh, TJ Hawkinson and, and Ed Oliver uh, are, go- are going to be all pro players. Uh, Ed Oliver, um, and here's the thing with TJ Hawkinson, the guy that the Lions drafted at eight, he's the most complete tight end prospect I've watched come out of college in maybe maybe a decade. He has everything you want when you want to talk about. You want to talk about manipulating defenders. Smooth route running. He's fast. He's a great blocker. Just fun. Fundamentally, he just does every. He does everything well, and he and he just, you know, he just creates opportunities for himself and his team. Uh, I had Hawkinson actually as my number one rated offensive prospect in this draft. Ed Oliver going to the Bills at nine. I really like that one. Obviously, I've been you know, you guys know that Oliver has been really my top player throughout most of the draft process at the very end. Uh, I did give Williams a bit of an edge over him, but uh, I do think when you look at Ed Oliver there, um, when you look at Ed Oliver explosion off the ball, he really does. He really does have Aaron Donald type upside. I think Ed Oliver could end up being one of the best defensive tackles in the history of football. It's certainly one of the best to do to three technique. His get off off the football, it is equal to what I saw from Aaron Donald, maybe even a little bit better um, when Donald was coming out of school. I mean, he's just that scary. So um, Devin Bush, Steelers traded up to get him at 10. Uh, I, I I like that pick because, I look, I think Devin Bush is another guy, home run pick, 
pretty close to a can't miss prospect. Uh, what do the Steelers need? They need leadership. Devin, Devin, Devin Bush, Devin Bush is a leader there. And with Ryan Shazier, you're not sure what's happening with him. They need a presence over the middle. Um, so I like the pick there for Devin Bush. Look, if Ryan Shazier, we've seen the progress he's made. If he can miraculously come back, um, and you know, then great. You know, you have two of them, but you can't count on that. Devin Bush is the guy you draft, the guy you draft there. I like that pick, even though they traded up to get him. Uh, at number eleven, the Bengals took Jonah Williams. Here's here's my here's my take on that. I thought Andre Dillard uh, was a little bit of a better tackle prospect, but I do like Jonah Williams a lot as well. Um, and, but I, I think when you want to look at, you know, if they really wanted someone to play left tackle, Diller is the guy I would have gone with to me, you know, Jonah, Jonah Williams. Um, I, I think Williams really is going to be a tackle. I know there's people that have talked about him as a guard, but I think, um, I, th- I think he can stay playing tackle. But to me, when you want to look at a finesse pass, pass protecting tackle, I would have went Andre Diller there at number 12. The, the Redskins took Rashawn Gary, good value there, great character, great, great, great upside. And here's what Gary is. I understand the production wasn't there, and that's why he might have slipped, but he is he is disruptive. And if you look at what, what the Packers are doing, they're getting disruptive players. So Darius Smith, you know, not, not gonna get 15 sacks a year, but he's but he's 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 dis, he's disruptive. Uh Rashawn Gary. Um, you know, you might want to try to slide him inside as a three tech. Uh, and I think that's going to be probably a better fit for him actually than on the edge, but this is a guy that can rush the passer. He, um, you know, he just has ridiculous, ridiculous upside. I like that pick there for green Bay. Very good pick there. Dolphins took Christian Wilkins at 13. I like that pick. Cause when you want to look at, um, if you're looking for a guy to shoot the B gap and play three tech, um, Christian Wilkins is the guy I would have taken Given 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 the value that was there, uh, the Falcons took Chris Lindstrom uh, at fourteen. Uh, I like Lindstrom as a prospect. Um, I didn't have him rated high enough to go there. The pick I would have made there was the pick that the Vikings made um, at eighteen, which is Garrett Bradbury because I think Bradbury can play center or guard. He just has that kind of flexibility. Lindstrom Lindstrom has flexibility as well, but I just think uh, Bradbury was the better prospect. The Redskins took Dwayne Haskins at fifteen. You got to give him a lot of credit. I like that. Um, you, you, they, t- they took a, they took the guy who I think was the second best quarterback prospect in this draft. They didn't have to move up. They didn't have to move up to get him. You would have thought that the Redskins sitting at fifteen and getting Haskins wouldn't happen, but it did. So look, every year someone falls. Uh, the Redskins, good job by staying there. Good pick there. Panthers took Brian Burns at sixteen. Perfect pick. Brian Burns is one of the, in my opinion, one of the most underrated edge rushers that um, that's been touted touted to go in the first round. Uh, it sounds like everyone thinks that Josh Josh Allen is just light years ahead of him as a pass rusher. Uh, I don't think so. I think Brian Burns. Uh, you know, when you want to talk about speed off the edge, bend, ability to get low, get home, use his length. Brian Burns, I think, is going to be a guy in this league that can get twelve to fifteen sacks a year. He's just He's just that impressive to me. Doesn't convert speed to power the way Josh Allen does. I think it's probably the key difference there. Um, but, you know, you look at Burns, um, great pick there by Carolina. Brian Burns is a guy that can definitely get home. And it's 17, the Giants pick again with Dexter Lawrence. Um, here's here's the thing with Dexter Lawrence. Um, there's not many players like him in the draft. There's really not. 
There's just there's just not too many play. There's really no one that is that size and has been and has been that dominant of, of a run defender. Um, and not only that, he is a good football player. Uh, I had a show that talked about guys that I thought were can't miss prospects in terms of being having good careers and not not being a bust. Dexter Lawrence will not be a bust. He is he is a good solid football player. The Giants play primarily in a 3-4, so you really do want a space eater who can who can cover multiple gaps uh, and a guy that also can rush the passer. I think some people are a little critical thinking, oh, he's just going to be a run stuffer, but uh, look, um, have you really watched the Dexter Lawrence tape? Are you just saying that because he's 342 pounds? Because he's a, he's, a, he's a good pass rusher. Don't compare him to Danny Shelton. Uh, I think Danny Shelton's starting to become a better player, uh, but you know, I, I think Dexter Lawrence. I know he. I think you know, compared to some of these other, you know, three hundred and forty pound guys that have come out in the first round the last few years. I think in terms of a football player, um, you know, he's he's better than a lot of those guys and a better pass rusher. So um, at seventeen, that's the pick I would have made for the Giants. Um, I would have. I, I really would have taken Dexter Lawrence there because I think. You need you need a presence like that over the middle. He's also a good football player. He can he can collapse the pocket. He's a guy that constantly I saw eat up double teams on the tape. Good pick there by the Giants at seventeen. Vikings they took Gar- Garrett Bradbury center at eighteen. Love love that pick. I had Bradbury as my ninth best player in this draft. They got him at eighteen at a position of need. Um, like I really really like what the, what the Titans did at nineteen. They got Jeffrey Simmons, a guy who is a top 10 prospect to me. I think I had him ranked seventh on, on, on my top 50 board. Um, when you look at Simmons, you know, he, he won't be healthy to start the season, but this is a guy that I think can make a similar impact to what Chris Jones has done with the chiefs. And to me, they're similar kind of football players. Um, I think when you watch Simmons on tape, he is a can't miss prospect. He's going to be a dis- disruptive force to me. Um, I like that pick. Um, but the Broncos took Noah Fant at pick number 20. Um, you know, I didn't think Fant would be available that late. I thought someone would have snagged him up maybe before then. Um, but you know, he's the he's the faster, he's the faster of the two, uh, the two Iowa tight ends. You know, I mentioned TJ Hawkinson as my best player in the draft, but Noah Fant has 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 ridiculous upside. He's a he's a he's a bit he's a bit faster, a little more explosive, and uh, I just think you know he's not he's not the complete player that Hawkinson is. Um, but when you look at just him as a pure receiver, he's he's gonna do some damage. Uh, Green Bay Green Bay Packers uh, took took a guy who I had ranked about 40th on my board, Darnell Savage. Um, the thing with Savage is that he you can put you can use him anywhere. Um, you can use him really anywhere in the secondary, um, and he just he's he's one of those guys that you know if you're very if you're very scheme versatile on defense, there's just a lot of ways you can use him. Um, it wouldn't have been the player I took there, but it's I don't I don't have a problem with the pick. Um, I think you know when when you look at the Packers the last few years, here here's here's what they've been trying to do. Um, they've been trying to really complete their secondary, and I'm a big believer that when you start drafting f- for a position group like secondary, you can't draft one guy this year and then not get anyone until the sixth round next year. I really think you need to build out depth at any position group. They're doing that with their secondary. They spent, they spent their first two picks last year on DBs. They spent pick 21 on a DB. So they added, they added Adrian Amos. They lost, they lost ha ha Clinton Dix, but um, 
I like the direction they're going in. Uh, I think Savage can show that he was worth the 21st pick. Philadelphia Eagles. At pick 22, they took Andre Dillard, the best, the best pure pass-protecting tackle in this draft. When you want to look at uh, technical and NFL ready, um, he can plug in. He really can plug in for Jason Peters pretty quickly. Um, he's not he's not a mauler, but um, and actually, no, he, I've seen him maul a few times. So let's let's not say that. Um, but you know, his calling card, what he's known for, um, and what I've seen him do is is just just a guy, just a guy that is a good technician. Myself playing offensive line, you always like to see when the guy's feet and hands are just really in unison. Um, a guy that that is that is good, that is good that is good natural bend, good good strong punch, um, kick slide. You know all all these things. Andre Dillard just is, is to me when you want to look at the perfect tackle, he's the closest one to that in this draft. Um, I thought you know at pick twenty two, um, he was my twelfth best player on my board. I think at pick twenty two, considering Jason Peters is on his way out, that's one that made sense to me. Uh, Titus Howard. Um, you know, I had Titus Howard drafted. I had him on my late forties on, on my big board, on my big board. Uh, Titus Howard went to Houston at 23. He's an offensive tackle, um, from Alabama state. Um, but he's got, he's, he's got, he's got, he's got ridiculous. He's got ridiculous upside. Here's the thing is that I've seen him go against good edge, edge rushers and handle them well. Um, so it, it's, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, I probably have not done as much homework on Titus Howard as the Texans done. I do I do homework on a lot of players, but I'm I'm one person. I have a full time job. Uh, I think I think at the end of the day, um, Titus Howard showed me some good stuff on the tape, especially the ability to really handle guys um, that had great speed. We don't think of him as as, as the most uh, elite athlete of all these tackles, but um, he's a, he's able to, he's able to handle speed on the edge. Uh, and to me, you know, Titus Howard, yeah, I like that pick there. You got to keep Dwayne Haskins healthy. Um, you got to continue to add pieces there. So I got no problem with that pick. Um, so at pick 24, the Raiders took Josh Jacobs. Uh, I, th- I think they had to make this pick here because um, I, th- well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say they, they had to make it, but it was probably the right move because Marshawn Lynch is it, Marshawn Lynch is, re- is retired now. And, uh, I think I think there's other really good running backs in this draft. I really do, but to me, you know, most of the media had Josh Jacobs as the number one running back. I d- I did as well, just because um, when you look when you look at Jacobs' completeness as a running back, I mean, he's really he's he's the most complete running back in this draft because here's what he does. Number one, he's a he's a he's a violent running back. He has good start and stop ability. Um, you want to talk about a guy that that sees a crease and takes it takes advantage of it and will maximize every carry. He's that guy. He's also a really fluid route runner with really gr- really good hands. Again, I mentioned he's he's a good he's a good finisher. And although he didn't run the fastest forty time, he's got football speed, and that 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 is really what counts uh, when you're talking about playing in the NFL. To me, uh, I like the pick there. Um, I know I'm being positive on a lot of these picks. You know, really, you know, the pick so far that that I've kind of that I've disagreed with. Um, I I disagreed with the Raiders getting Cleveland Farrell at four. Um, I like I, I like Daniel Jones. I just wouldn't have drafted him at six. Um, I I felt that when kind of looking to my list here, uh, I didn't think that the Falcons drafting Lindstrom at eighteen. I would I would have I would have gone Garrett Bradbury. Um, every other pick 
per, pretty pretty much I liked I've liked outside of that. Love Darnell Savage. Um, just I had him ranked a little bit lower, but again, he's one of those guys that I did not watch as much tape on as some of these other guys. Uh, I watched more tape on him towards the end. Um, but you know, again, you know, I like the direction the Packers the Packers are going in there. So, uh, pick twenty five, we have Marquise Hollywood Brown going to the going to the Baltimore Ravens. This to me was the most perfect draft pick of the first round. Why? Because Lamar Jackson, you bought him there to extend because because of his ability to extend plays. Now, when you have someone like Lamar Jackson who's going to get out of the pocket and extend plays, you need a you need a wide receiver that 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 not only has tremendous that not only has tremendous speed tremendous speed but has tremendous speed from whistle to whistle in and in and in and out of his breaks um when you watch Marquise Hollywood Brown run routes he never he never slows down and he never loses fluidity either which is real which is really impressive um in and out of his cuts he's 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 the he's the fastest receiver i've seen in and out of his breaks in years at the combine years and the Ravens, you know, they 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 need a wide receiver. And here's the thing: he was the perfect he's the perfect wide receiver for that team because Lamar Jackson can extend plays. You need a guy that that can also extend plays at the wide receiver position. No wide receiver can extend plays in this draft, I believe, the way Marquise Hollywood Brown can. Look, um, we didn't see Brown run the run a forty at the combine. He probably would have been a low four three, high four two. Look, Andy Isabella, Paris Hilton, those guys are are low four three guys as well, but they do, they don't have the savviness of route running um, and and that Marquise Brown does the ability to extend plays. Um, those guys have more straight line speed, um, where Marquise Hollywood Brown has straight line speed, but he has the best football speed. Clearly, I think of any receiver in this draft, that is the perfect pick there. A quarterback who extend plays now gets the best receiver in this draft at extending plays 26. The Redskins got uh, Montez sweat. Uh, I think Montez sweat needs a lot of work, but here's the thing. Um, I think he's, his upside is so outrageous that um, as he gets work and as he works on these things, he's, he's, he's going to be a force to deal with at the next level. Um, and look, you know, we heard the heart condition was, uh, was, was misdiagnosed. He said, his, he says his heart is fine. Um, I thought he would probably slip to the end of the first round, honestly, um, because at the end of the day, you know, we've seen what happens. Look, Maurice Hurst had a heart condition last year. He didn't, he didn't go until much later in the draft. So, um, I think the Redskins got really, really good value here. Montez Sweat, you know, he needs to learn to play with a lower pad level. A lot of times, you know, his problem is that, um, when he comes out of a stance, he just stands up and gets, gets too tall. Um, he... People say he bends around the edge, but um, he doesn't do that as well as I think people say he does. And the reason why is he's got really tight hips. Um, he's 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 got to he's got to get better fluidity in his hips. That's also hurting him as well. But uh, he looked really good at the Senior Bowl, um, and I think you know just with his upside. Look, he's the fastest defensive lineman forty in terms of forty speed they've ever had at the combine. He's fat. He ran a faster forty than Odell Beckham. Uh, you, and you got to look at. What Montez Sweat did on tape, he's got he's got production stats are on the end all be all, but I think he's going to translate well. The Raiders took Jonathan Abram safety at twenty seven. I like the pick. Um, 
I think uh, I think when you look at who the best safety was in, in this draft class, um, he's he's top of the board for me. And here's the thing: is that it sounds like what the Raiders want on defense is they they want got they want guys that deliver energy and enthusiasm. You're going to get that from Cleveland Farrell, and you are certainly going to get that from Jonathan Abram. These are high 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 motor guys that play with a lot of passion and emotion. Um, and 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 look, Abram is a he, he's physical. He to me, when you want to look at um, you know, guys that I had ranked towards the top of my board as certain in terms of physical safeties, uh, Jonathan Abram. I mean, he's he he is he is a guy that will come into the box and lay the wood. Uh, but he's all he's also a guy that can fly around the field and do a lot of other stuff. Uh, I think when you talk about in the box safeties, he's the, he's the best one in this class. But he's not just an in the box safety; he does have some versatility to to drop back in coverage, and he does have really nice range there. Um, the Chargers took Jerry Tillery at number 28. I thought Tillery should have, you know, when you look at media scouts, I thought he should have been ranked higher. Jerry Tillery, uh, his his tape was really good to me when I watched him. The Chargers took it took him defensive tackle um, at pick at pick 28. Um, the Seattle Seahawks took L.J. Collier defensive end at 29. Um, and uh, I have actually, be honest. I have not watched any tape on Collier. I, I will admit he is the one prospect in, the, in this round that I did not watch uh, a lot of tape on. Um, so I will definitely, you know, watch much more tape on him. Um, so I really, honestly, I can't comment. And you should want me not to comment. I'm not going to read someone else's analysis and say, oh, yeah, uh, they said this. So let me say that. I, honestly, I, I haven't watched the tape. Uh, DeAndre Baker, 30, cornerback for the Giants, uh, I think is the best cornerback in this draft. Um, because he's someone who is, he's, he's, he's going to be great to use, uh, in nickel packages. He's one of those guys that I think can be one of those hybrid, uh, you know, hybrid, you know, safety, you know, third down safety cornerbacks. But I think when you want to look at purely play, purely playing cornerback, um, he is, he's, he's, he's a guy that he's just out of all these cornerbacks, you go look on tape the last few years because I've watched a lot of these cornerbacks. Um, DeAndre Baker to me was the most consistent one. He's scheme proof. Um, you really can you really can put him. Put, you you know he's a, he's a great rugged corner. He doesn't he doesn't have he doesn't have the speed um, that you'd want to see in maybe a, you know a shutdown corner. But don't don't let that fool you. Um, I think when you want to look at fundamentally being a great football player, DeAndre Baker was the best corner in this draft. He's a guy that. Um, you know, I, a lot of people had Byron Murphy ahead of them, but when I look at Byron Murphy, um, I think Byron Murphy's, you know, his issue is that, uh, he's really only shown at this point that he can be a zone, a zone cornerback. Uh, I think when you look at, when you look at Deandre Baker, um, he's a, he's a guy that really, you can, you can use, you can use man, you can use zone. Um, so he's got that versatility there. I think overall fundamentally in consistency, he's the, he's the best cornerback in this draft. The Falcons took Caleb McGarry at 31. Um, he's Caleb McGarry. He, he's, he's still raw, but he's getting, he, he's, he's still raw, but he's not that raw. Like, I feel like when I've watched McGarry the last few years, he looked more raw when I've a couple you know, a couple years back. Um, but you, you look, you look at him now and he's really starting to become a more polished player. Uh, I think when you, I've heard in interviews with him, I've uh, watched him do some offensive line drills with, uh, Sean O'Hara, 
on the NFL Network. And, uh, you know, I think w- when you hear him talk, you know, you listen to him, and I've watched some other interviews, he's the, he's the personality type that you want at your tackle there. Um, and uh, just just a guy that seems like he is going to be um, – you know, personality-wise, a great fit for the locker room. But I think you can plug him. You can plug him in at right tackle. You can plug him in at right tackle, and he's going to make an impact uh, from day one in terms of making that offensive line better. And you look at what Atlanta's did. Um, they two picks in the first round on a, on offensive linemen. Uh, you want to extend Matt Ryan's career? You got you got to obviously keep adding pieces there. Um, Falcons have some pieces on their offensive line, but they still need some help there. So I like that. Patriots uh, at thirty-two, they picked in Keel Harry. Um, I think the direction the Patriots needed to go in is you look at the Patriots, they scored 13 points in the Super Bowl. Um, they they need they need a big time physical threat receiver on the outside that fits the Patriot way. And I think when you want to talk about a receiver that fits the Patriot way, in Keel Harry is, is that guy. Extremely high character guy. Don't think you're gonna see a lot of drama out of him. Uh her Herm, Herm Edwards. Who is uh, his coach at ASU, which is actually five minutes down the road from me? Swears up and down uh, about this guy, and uh, at the end of the day, um, I think when you look at what the Patriots needed, they needed a guy that a is a big physical threat on the outside, can run routes, can make contested catches, can track the ball well to to really put this offense over the top. Because again, like I said, thirteen points in the Super Bowl. That's not going to continue to get it done. Uh, I think they need to evolve this offense at the receiver position. Uh, Josh Gordon's Josh Gordon, you know, can can what else can I say? Um, yes, he could still come back at some point, but probably that's not really a safe thing to say. And Keel Harry, um, you're not. I don't think you're going to get any of those issues. You're going to get a good character kid who is at, who is NFL ready. Uh, for me, uh, I did have Hakeem Butler ranked a little higher than him. But at the end of the day here with these two players, they both fit, I think, what the Patriots wanted to do. So uh, I like the pick there. A good direction for the Patriots to go in. And that's going to wrap up everything we have, uh, everything I have for you for round one. Uh, This show is coming out at uh, 10 a.m. Eastern time uh, on Monday. So when you hear this, uh, that will be. 